Hello and welcome to Radical Candor, a podcast from Panoply and Gretchen Rubin's Onward Project about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. I'm Russ Laraway, co-founder at Candor Inc. and career-long operational manager across the Marines, Google, and Twitter. And I'm Kim Scott, also co-founder of Candor Inc. and author of A Radical Candor, Be a Kick-Ass Boss Without Losing Your Humanity. Today we're talking about how to get feedback from your boss. In a bunch of the previous episodes, we've been gearing our advice at bosses. Today, we want to gear our advice at their direct reports. Toward their team members. Yes, toward people, toward anybody who has a boss. This one's for the people. The people. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people out there who have a boss. Pretty much, pretty much everybody. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about why it's important to get feedback from your boss. We'll answer a listener question about what to do when you aren't getting enough feedback. And we'll wrap up, as always, with the candor checklist, where we'll share some practical tips for asking for feedback. So, Kim, shall we get started? Yes, let's jump right in. Here's what we believe. We believe that getting feedback is critical to your success in your job and in your career. Just in case you don't agree with us yet, just in case you have some radical candor on radical candor, let's think about what happens when your boss doesn't give you feedback. You know, think about a new relationship with a boss, right? It starts off and you're thinking, wow, this boss is really pleasant to work with. They're not up in my business. Right, you know? right. It's like, this is great. And then time goes on and then you start to realize that you do get a little feedback, but it's this sort of vague, like, good job, you're yeah. doing great. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they're missing are pom-poms, right? Right, right. Yeah. And not super helpful, right? No. And then maybe you start to get the feeling that you've done some things wrong. I mean, most of us, maybe we're self-aware enough to know we're just not perfect, right? Yeah. But we're not hearing about that stuff. And so we start to wonder what's going on. And suddenly months transpire and you don't know exactly where you stand. And you realize you haven't really been given the greatest opportunity to learn and grow as a result of this pattern of not really getting much feedback. Eventually, second worst case, you stall. In the worst case, you might get fired. I don't know. It may be worse to get stalled, actually. Could, I mean, be, both are bad. Nothing's nothing's good about feeling like a dead man walking or a dead woman walking. Either either one. Yeah. Um, just ask the zombies in The Walking yeah. Dead. <laughs> they don't want. They don't. It's not. Doesn't look fun. They seem very unhappy. Yeah. 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 I have a I have a story about this where. I needed to ask for feedback and mm -hmm. um, took me a little longer to do it than it should have. It takes place at, at Google going back a few years. And I was sort of a, in transition from senior manager to director, senior director. And I started to get this sense around me that the very senior people, the vice presidents that I'd worked with around Google, they were kind of tuning me out a little bit. And I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't getting any feedback on it, but I could just see that they were, they sometimes just seemed to be more responsive to, to my peers in certain cases. You were starting to feel like a dead man walking. Yeah, I was starting to feel a little bit like a dead man walking. I wasn't really sure what was going on. And it took me a long time to ask. Why didn't you ask right away? Because well, you're pretty confident. You, you, know, you can take it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't so much a fear of what I would hear. As much as a uh, belief that it was sort of my job to sort it out. To figure it out yeah. on your own, yeah. Um, Common to feel that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was crazy, but it was definitely wrong, right? And so I finally uh, realized that I just wasn't going to figure this out on my own. And so I went to my boss, who was actually relatively new. It was when I transitioned from you to Margot. Mm -hmm. 
And a woman Margo's named, great. Margo's by the way. she's outstanding. Fantastic and I, leader. She is. And I went to Margo George Addis and I said, Margo, I've got this problem. And I laid out that problem that I described where I just sort of felt like senior folks were, were kind of tuning me out a little bit. And she nailed it right away. She knew exactly what was happening. She said, Look, you feel like it's way too important to communicate all of the details of your business. She said, You're running a six hundred person organization. It was about six hundred at the time. And she said, what you need to realize is that people trust that you have a command of those details, but you need, they're very busy and you need to communicate them to them more at the conceptual level, more at the story level. Need to net it out. Need to net it out for and them. And have a narrative and that have they a narrative can remember. Yep. Story. Stories are, stories are important. That was the exact feedback. By the way, she took an extra step and she mm-hmm. sent me on assignment. Uh-huh. She said, now, and now you're going to go practice this. And she sent me to Dennis Woodside. Oh my was, goodness. Yeah, yeah. One of the most respected and squared away vice presidents there. And eager to rip apart a story and get <laughs> and to the truth, right? And you can't wait to get to the I truth. I love Dennis too, by the way. Yeah, I thought, I, th- I said, Margo, I think maybe we could pick another person to start with. <laughs> He's she a said, tough no, guy to practice You're going to start with Dennis. And I did, and it went fine. In fact, resulted in, just, just to give you a sense of how good the feedback was, resulted in about a year or so later, I went for a job. It was pretty tough to get, a pretty sought after job in Dennis's organization and ended up getting it. When you ask somebody, especially your boss, for help, you're basically getting them to invest in your success. Really early on in in my career, I was working in Russia, and I was working for a man who was a great manager and a great mentor. Yes, yes, the diamond. I was working in the diamond business. It was a crazy, crazy situation. So I'm in Moscow. My boss is in New York. And he did something that was really kind. First thing when he woke up every morning, he called me. And we had sort of a daily, quick, five-minute conversation. So it was natural for me to ask him for feedback. We Hmm. communicated all the time. And when I asked him for feedback one time after we had been in a meeting together, he looked at me and he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, Kim, you're good, but you're not so good that you can afford to run yourself down that way, right? (laughs) I was really being self-deprecating in this meeting. I was I was worried about the sexism. I didn't want to come off as intimidating or abrasive or shrill or any of those terrible words that get used <laughs> with professional women. And so I was dealing with it in in a way that wasn't right. Yeah. Well, well, I think what's uh, that does that sounds like extremely helpful feedback um, delivered very succinctly. I think what's interesting about that now, uh, you know, fast forward. What a couple decades or <laughs> thirty years almost three decades. Yeah, um, is that I would say you do self-deprecating really well now. Thanks to Maurice Templesman. Yeah, we got to we we owe it all to Maurice. We, that we owe it some. all to Maurice. He 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 did help. It was really a great lens through which to look at it. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Well done, Maurice. If you're listening, uh, well well done. That was really good, really helpful feedback that's stood the test of time. <laughs> So it's hard. It's often really hard to ask for feedback. In fact, we got a question. This came in from a listener. We'll call her Deborah. And Deborah writes, I am a Ph.D. candidate in neuroscience trying to finish up. I'm struggling with my relationship with my supervisor. He is a tenured professor, and I am afraid he has checked out a little. He leaves early every day and doesn't engage with his students that much on a day-to-day basis. I get very little feedback of any kind. When I do get feedback, it is often out of the blue and not very helpful. 
Though I try to engage him in my work, and sometimes he gets briefly excited, it often fades quickly and without much constructive progress. I am fearful for my success because of this, but I don't really know what to do. Because of the power structure with professors and students and the fact that I will need his reference for my future, I am afraid of confronting him about this. I am also afraid I am learning bad avoidance-based habits from my current supervisor. Uh, Deborah, thanks so much for writing in. This is a really good question. Really good question. And I feel your pain, Deborah. It's it's really hard. It, sa- it sounds like you have what, what we tend to call the absentee manager. Absent, that's perfect. That's exactly who this person right. sounds not, like. Not micromanaging you, but, but not as present with you and not really being a thought partner. And what you want maybe is a thought partner. Yeah. And, and look, you're right uh, in your thinking that you should push to get feedback. It does sound critical to your success. I, I think this is a common need for B- PhD candidates to get their, you know, their sponsor, um, their boss effectively to really help guide their research. I think the first thing you should do is try to set up a regular one-on-one. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Maybe not a giant time commitment on his part, maybe 30 minutes every other week at whatever time and place is most convenient for him. The, the, the easier you can make it for the guy to say yes to it, the better, right? And then the key, though, is to get this person to commit. I I, I would literally ask him the question, is that a promise? It sounds kind of easy to say in concept, but as you start to say those words sometimes- It's really hard. Yeah, it feels like you're being a little bit too aggressive. Um, But there's there's a real specific reason for this, and that is just because in the end, if he blows off the one-on-one, I'm not assuming that will happen, but just sort of as a, as a just in case, if he blows off the one-on-one, it is just a little more powerful to say, ah, oh, you didn't do what you promised than to say, you didn't do what I asked. And so I would take that extra step of getting him to really commit to attending your one-on-one. I, I promise if you ask him that question, he'll think for a second before saying yes. And if he says yes, he's probably going to keep the he's meeting. much more likely to show up if he's committed to. We used to do this with, on our team at Google. We would we would have what we called commitment conversations. And it was awkward as hell, but really useful. It is, it is actually really hard to sit down face-to-face when someone's telling you, yeah, I'll do that, and to say, is that a promise? Is that yeah. a commitment? Yeah. It's actually really hard to do if it's a little bit aggressive. But I think in this case, given given how hard it's been for her to get this guy to engage, I think this is a justifiable step. And you can do that politely and kindly. And, you, you know, there's lots of you still get to ask the question yeah. and, and should try to get the guy to to commit to it. So I think everyone, right? Everyone. Yeah, everyone should really push to have a regular one on one with their boss. It's so important, that regular communication. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's OK to try to hold your boss accountable to coming to the one-on-ones, yeah, right? Yeah, showing up to the one-on-one is really important. So here are some little tips that you can use to hold your boss accountable for attending the one-on-one, engaging the one-on-one. First is send an agenda in advance. A lot of times if a person knows what you're going to cover and if they have some clarity on why you want the meeting, it just makes it a little easier for them to attend. They know what they're walking into. And they know why they can be helpful. Like people generally really do want to be helpful and an agenda lets them know exactly how they can be helpful. Yeah. And I would I would guess that even maybe a slightly checked out professor is probably in the business partially to be helpful to people. So yeah. just make sure you make the oppor- that opportunity for that person to be helpful. Just make it really clear to them in advance. Um, you can also suggest an alternate time. Um, there may be a million reasons why they can't make that 9 a.m time. Don't assume the worst, right? 
He's got tenure, so he doesn't have to. He's not doesn't have to work anymore. Yeah, th- th- take that phrase out of your head. Yeah, I think this is just generally good advice. If you can start by always assuming good intentions from people, if you assume the worst, you'll often get exactly what you fear. So just suggest another time. Yeah. You know? And then last, you know, and probably the most aggressive step you can take, and that's why we have it last, is you just bypass the scheduled meeting, go straight to his office, and ask for help. Right? I don't know. Maybe maybe if this guy's office hours. If not, remember just when you ask for help and get it. The person's now invested in your success. So just go right on in there. Again, politely. We're not storming in. We're not assuming the worst of intentions. We're going in politely, but we're going and getting what we need, right? Um, you're not a beggar. You're in a position of power. Yeah, it was something I learned, again, from a boss I had early in my career when I asked him for help. He said his name is Reed Hunt. He was the chairman of the FCC at the time. And he said that it's great that you're asking for help. When you ask for help, you're actually making yourself more powerful, not less. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Words of wisdom. We'll give some specific tips on this in the candor checklist in just a moment to help you. Yeah. And maybe one final word for Deborah here, which is if you notice in her question, she's trying to balance a need today and a need in the future. Yeah. And one of the things I would just encourage Deborah to think about is to get the best possible research, because if it doesn't matter how great of a reference the guy is willing to give you, if your research isn't great, it won't matter. So the real value, the thing you need now is help with your research. So go get that help. And I think the world will reward you, right? You'll improve your relationship with your boss. You'll have much better research. And as a result of that, he'll be more like both of those things, better relationship, better research. He'll be more likely down the line to help you get the job that you want to be a reference for you. So, Deborah, thanks again for this question. Really important question. And for everybody else listening, we have some great blog posts on our website that give even more advice on how to ask for feedback from your boss. For those links, check out the show notes for this episode at RadicalCandor.com slash podcast. Or send us your questions at podcast at RadicalCandor.com or call us at 2626CANDOR. So we've talked about why getting feedback is important and a good way to make a habit of getting it, of asking your boss to give you feedback. Now we're going to give you some practical tips for putting this advice in action with this week's candor checklist. Yeah. Tip number one is have a go-to question. I would say that asking a question like, can I please have some feedback? I don't think that's a great question. I I think using a more targeted but still open-ended question, like, how could I be having more impact? Yeah, great question. Yeah, can I have some advice on X? If you were driving my research, what will be top of mind for you? Those are all open-ended questions, but they're a little bit more targeted. They're a little more targeted. One of the questions that I used to like to ask is, what could I do or stop doing That would make it easier to work with me. I know I do things that drive you crazy, Russ, and you're pretty good about telling me what they are. Yeah, you don't even, you definitely don't have to ask. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, we've worked long enough that that I hear about it. But get in the (laughs) habit, get in the habit of asking that question. Of course, you don't want to ask, ask it over and over again. There's a bunch of different ways to ask for criticism. Think about something that you know you screwed up. You're certain you screwed it up and ask about it. Then ask what other things like that you're doing but might be unaware of. Yeah, that's a great way. Um, That sort of honest acknowledgement of making a mistake and then flipping that into a question to get people to open up can, can be a real game changer. So tip number two, embrace the discomfort. After you ask your question to solicit feedback, shut your mouth. 
wait for six seconds. I just waited for three because it's so hard to wait for six. Almost nobody can endure that much silence. They'll tell you something. It's really tempting when you ask somebody to give you feedback for them to tell you, oh, everything's fine, and then for you to go off and say, oh, thank you very much, and then you've just created awkwardness and learned nothing. So so don't let them off the hook. Embrace the discomfort and make them tell you something. Yeah, I think I think another thing that goes wrong if you're not committed to that six seconds of silence, I've seen a lot of times a person will ask the question and then start to answer the question. Right. Never giving the other person a chance to talk. Let the other person answer. You're seeking their feedback. Exactly. Hard to do, though. Really very hard. Very hard to do. Tip number three. Listen with the intent to understand and not to respond. Uh, The key here is not that you have to agree, but that you need to understand. And so one of the phrases we use all the time, we borrowed from Fred Kaufman, who wrote Conscious Business, is don't get mad, get curious. That's sort of the the mental model you need to have in your head, I think, when you're asking for feedback, because you're inviting potentially some, some something that might be hard to hear. And so this idea of, Listen with the intent to understand and not respond really means checking for understanding, which might sound something like this. So, Kim, what I think I hear you saying is that if I were to change X and Y and Z, it would impact your life in A and B and C ways. Your life would get better in A and B and C ways. Do I have that right? Yeah, you you are really the master at this, Russ. You in tons of meetings where we where we are together, somebody will say something and you'll say just to make sure I understand. And it seems very natural coming from you. And and often the person will correct you and then then you say, Oh, I'm really glad I asked. I misunderstood. Yeah. So let me so just so I understand, I'm a master at this? You are a master. Really? You are the master. I I, I admire how you do it. What I think I hear you saying <laughs> is that uh, you're the master. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> and last but not least, tip number four, reward the candor. It's so important for people to feel heard. When you have asked somebody to tell you something, you've embraced the discomfort, and now you've done a good job not getting defensive. But that's not enough. You need to actually reward the candor if you want more of it. So if somebody tells you you stink, go buy a stick of deodorant, right? (laughs) Reward the candor. Put it on your desk. Yeah, put it on. (laughs) Let them know that you're using it. Ask them, is it good? Is this, you know, is it better? Hopefully that's not the feedback you're getting, although a lot of people... A lot of people do stink, it turns out, (laughs) in this world. Okay. Tip number one was have a go-to question. Tip number two, embrace the discomfort. Tip number three was listen with the intent to understand and not respond. And tip number four was reward the candor. All right, listeners, now it's time for you to go out there and get some feedback. Let us know how it goes and send us your stories, challenges, and questions. Email us at podcast at radicalcandor.com and call us at 2626-CANDOR. Now let's announce this week's Candor t-shirt winner. As you know, we're doing a t-shirt giveaway for listeners who leave us reviews on iTunes. So to enter, all you have to do is go to iTunes and leave us a review. Each episode, we're randomly selecting a listener from the reviews and giving them a Candor t-shirt. This week's winner is Big Emon 2.0. Can you imagine what Big Iman 1.0 was like? That <laughs> 2.0's got to be better. 2.0 is amazing. Big Iman writes, I've listened to all four episodes so far and enjoy the essence of the title Radical Candor in each podcast. 
The info shared is designed to be helpful to new and experienced managers, but I think it can be applied to everyone in everyday life. We all need help expressing difficult conversations with people we work, play, and live with. I rarely give five stars to a new podcast. There's always room for improvement early in the game. One thing I will suggest, Kim seems to interrupt Russ a lot when he is telling his story. I do. I'm interrupting you now. This is a decade-old occurrence, Big Iman. These interruptions interfere with the flow of the story. I will continue to listen. And thanks to Gretchen for sliding it into my subscription to her feed. Iman, thank you very much for the feedback. In all seriousness, even though I, instead of rewarding your candor, I did the opposite by interrupting Russ. I really am going to try to interrupt less, Russ less. It's a, it's, a pro, it's a chronic problem of mine. And although I've gotten better, I still have a long way to go. So I'm going to do better. And obviously, the Gretchen you're talking about is the Gretchen who leads the Onward Project. and Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin. Uh, and has the happier podcast. Yeah, and, and and the other part of the Onward Project, so there's happier, there's us, Radical Candor, and then there's Side Hustle School. Which I love. Which is great. Uh, it comes out every day, with, and it highlights people who sort of turn their passions into side hustles. Uh, like the guy who had to relocate his family so often for work that he decided to help other families in the same boat. So we know a lot of people who could use his services for sure. Absolutely. It's such great stories. So Big Iman, thank you very much. And please write in to podcast at RadicalCandor.com to claim your T-shirt. And that's it for this episode of Radical Candor. Our producer is Kristen Meinzer. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Our theme song is written and performed by my good friend, Cliff Goldmacher. So good. Such a good guy. The Radical Canner book is available for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Passage, and your local bookstore. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Kim Scott. And I'm Russ Laraway. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.